Washed Up Emo sponsors New Belgium Brewing are celebrating their 30th anniversary as a company. To celebrate, they're releasing Wild Ride Amber IPA, a happy tribute to their iconic fat tire. Even better, New Belgium Brewing are giving away bikes and gear all year. Find out more information by visiting newbelgium.com. Do you ever wonder if your favorite band is emo? Tired of being in the same conversation with friends? Not knowing if you're listening to post-hardcore, screamo, emo revival, emo emo violence, even ska. We're We're here here to to help. help. The Emo Council is here staffed and ready for any question you may have. Hey, Emo Council, just wondering if Green Day was considered an emo band. Thanks. Green Day is not an emo band. Okay. From the creators of Washed Up Emo, isthisbandemo.com offers the definitive answer to the only important question of your day. Hey, is this been emo? Welcome to the Wash Up Emo Podcast. So, Jimmy Whirl is taking a little time off, but you know what? That's a good thing. So, what does the drummer do? He spends as much time as he can with his wife after 20 plus years on the road. So, from Arizona, Zach and Holly Lind, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thanks. Hi. <laughs> so, I want to know, I mean, I love this sort of relationship with you two, not only throughout the, pre- you know, the band, but also you guys having a family, but then also... Uh, doing music together, um, and so I—I I mean, I definitely want to start really, really early. Like, for both of you, what what kind of music uh, connected to you first? Like, what what was that gateway drug band or artist that sort of got you being like, "Wow, music is it! I have to—I I have to do this. Mm-hmm. I have to be a part of it." I think that I think I think the obvious one for us, the the band that we love the most, is you two. So yeah. we both that they're kind of like our our, our primary like the primary sort of band that we both connect with and love the most. Um, and then, you know, it's funny, like when I met Holly, I was 19 and she was 17. And, um, Holly, Holly's parents were like big music people. And when they grew up, they listened to all kinds of awesome music, like, you know, Cat Stevens and Simon and Garfunkel and all that. And my parents were more like sports people. So like, I didn't really get a lot of music growing up. So I actually, even though like I was in a band and I was like this sort of 19 year old kid who knew it all and like, you know, it was all about Fugazi and Green Day and punk rock and, you know, all these different bands. Um, Holly kind of showed me tons of awesome music that I sort of knew about, but I didn't really spend time with up until when I met her. So like she introduced me to, you know, really got me listening to like Peter Gabriel and, um, what are some other, other Cat Stevens? Yeah, I mean, I mean, just like I guess older rock musicians, you know. I, I mean, those those were really good ones. I think you know part of it though was I wasn't afraid of the fact that I wasn't into obscure music, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, and and that's just what it was. I I loved it, and and that the whole world of more you know punk rock and and more obscure, I guess, for lack of a better term, music was not, had not been opened yet to me. So, and, and actually Zach was, ended up listening to music that like Peter Gabriel, who, you know, is a great musician in his own right and has a lot of credibility in terms of that kind of thing. Um, I mean, it's not like you'd never heard Peter Gabriel, but I think it opened up his eyes to how good he was. Um, So that's like my claim to fame. It's like the only you know, there there are very few bands that I showed to Zach though. No, it's but funny like that you, that you, up. <laughs> you showed you showed me Sarah McLaughlin, who I really like. Yeah, Sarah McLaughlin. McLaughlin. Or, yeah. And um, the sad dog a, videos. That's pretty much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah, before that time, but yeah, but, the but, very first album. <laughs> but I think overall, like you two, Peter Gabriel, um, Simon and Garfunkel are probably like the holy trinity of 
like the people, the bands that we listen to and connect with the most. That maybe REM is in there. Oh yeah, for but, sure. Um, yeah. yeah. So Zach, you were sort of the you had all the you know you knew about the punk rock stuff, and then to have you know her send you or tell you about these kind of things, it was it was cool to have that different side and not just someone telling you that you know Fugazi is God. Yeah, it's nice to have someone who's like, you know, you show them some band that you love and think is awesome and they listen to it from like just, a, you know, an outside perspective. And, you know, they don't have like the attachment to what it means to like certain things. And so they're they're just listening to it for, you know, f- to decide if it's good or not, not You're necessarily if it's yeah. cool or not. So I think part of part of it was, you know, I learned a lot from her. Um to appreciate some people, some, some artists that maybe I hadn't thought to appreciate. And then I, I showed her some stuff that, you know, she never would have thought to appreciate. And we kind of sort of met in the middle. And I, I had, like, I had a friend who loved Bush, like loved the band, the band Bush. And he would make fun of her like crazy, you know, for liking Bush. And, (laughs) and I remember just calling him an elitist and just saying, you know, you need to stop, like, just let people enjoy what they enjoy. You know, it really doesn't matter. Everything's Zen. Yeah, exactly. Like, yes, these bands that you have shown me are really great. Like the promise ring, you know, and, um, but, but it's okay that she likes this band that I didn't like either, but it's okay that she liked them, you know? And, um, so yeah, I think both of the, again he showed me to far more music than I've ever shown him. But yeah, it is good to sort of meet in the middle. So what's the one record? You're on the road trip. You're going somewhere. You're going to Grandma's house. What What do you guys both agree on? Oh, gosh, that would be. It's or hard you, even. Maybe we should have way. thought about this beforehand. <laughs> we, but I mean, we we agree on a lot. I mean, there's like yeah. there would be there would be too many albums or artists to listen to to count that yeah. we because we really do when it comes down to it like we have a similar usually if she's like this is really good and she shows it to me I'm like yeah that's really good that's it's very very seldom where you know I think we show each other things that we just think oh that's not good at all and I don't want to listen to it I guess you know maybe sometimes I listen to a little bit more like hard rock stuff that that, you know, us being in our late thirties and having kids sometimes just like the hard rock stuff is too much. But, uh, you know, because we, we deal with enough noise throughout the day. You brought up Elliot Smith, like Elliot Smith is a great, I mean, he, sorry, he brought him up on Facebook about something, but like Elliot Smith was one we listened to a ton. You know how you go just in phases mm-hmm. of, I mean, we've had so many phases of just listening to something on repeat, like an entire album or, you know, whatever it is song. But it, I mean, as far as naming artists, there's been so many. Maybe we can talk about a genre and go from there. Yeah, no, no, know. no. It's just it, it's always fun to hear you know people that you know. If I always had a, a friend in college, I had to uh, we we picked certain Britpop bands. Those are the ones that we could kind of agree on. He hated my hardcore. I hated his like I forget what other stuff. Some blues stuff. I was like I'm not listening to. It. I just you know we we met in the middle on. Uh, Britpop and being that you guys are doing this sort of thing together, I'm trying to, these things are sort of, what, what did you, what are you guys agreeing on? Where are these paths sort of crossing, um, you know, musically, but also in your relationship too, which I always find interesting. So that, that's kind of where it came from. Yeah, I know that makes sense. Um, I don't know. Go ahead, sir. No, I was just going to say if if there was any others, um, things, you know, musically that you guys, um, had you played, um, music with each other prior to sort of putting together wretched desert stuff no i mean we we actually we we played together in a a church band um a long time ago before we even started dating like uh i think we played together at some uh at some church at a church uh where i played drums and she sang and but as far as like a sort of you know, in a sort of a band setting where we're writing music and releasing it. No, we'd never done anything like that. And even, even since we've been married, we haven't, we, we haven't played really any music or done anything like that. And then also I thought too, the spirituality thing was, I think like a big theme. And I also played in my, uh, my church band. That was the only way that I would agree to go to church. If you just let me play in the band and I could sit (laughs) through the, the hour long church. Um, uh, 
Yeah, it was it was super fun. I, I actually learned a lot about playing in front of people when I, you know, I think the it was a big step that I didn't really kind of realize when I was doing it. Maybe my parents knew, but I, I didn't realize it. What what about spirituality for you guys guides sort of? I mean, the some of the songs, some, some of the lyrics, um, where where you guys and your family, what 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 was that? How has that played a part in your music, but also your life? I think, I mean, it's played a big part. I mean, Holly was, you know, we were both raised in sort of in church, in church environments. Holly's dad was a missionary and is still a pastor. Um, my grandfather was a, was a minister, Baptist minister. So we kind of come from uh, a fairly conservative Christian background. And I think as we've gotten older, um, we've we still consider ourselves Christians and we still, I think, retain a sort of religious affiliation. But, I, but I think we've sort of remixed a lot of the things that we believe. And, um, so over the course of time, I think we've, you know, uh, adapted our beliefs and, and sort of tried to, you know, I mean, when we met each other, we were kids basically, you know? So over the course of the last 20 years that we've known each other, it's sort of grown into something a little bit different, but I still, we still feel like it's an important part of our, of our life. But, you know, we, 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 we also, you know, I think acknowledge the ways in which, um, you know, Christianity Christi- is, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the sort of damage and, and the ways in which Christianity has, has hurt people. And so we, we, you know, I think try to, acknowledge those things and repent of those things and then uh, be people who are just a little bit more open and have our eyes a little bit more open to what the world has to offer rather than like, you know, the tunnel vision of, you know, bring your Bible to church and say your prayers in the morning and and all that stuff. Taking the love and acceptance part Mm -hmm. out of that and making that of, of the, of most import, you know, Mm -hmm. so. Were there were there things? Oh, sorry. Sorry, sorry. Go ahead. I just said high of highest import. Sorry. (laughs) Go ahead. There's a somewhat of a delay with Skype. No, the the other part I thought was, um, were there any restrictions or things that you you know growing up you felt that you couldn't be you know connected to a certain type of music or I I can't do that. I I went to I grew up in the Northeast, but then I went to school in the South, and a friend had told me that you know he got a Slayer record and his like grandmother found it and like. burned it in front of him, you know, and like, was like this, you know, it was just like traumatizing for him. And he's this like punk rock kid. He's into no effects. And it was like, I didn't know if there were not saying that was extreme, but were there things that you felt, you know, that uh, either because music is, you know, or even the, I know a previous podcast, you mentioned there was that sort of video that they had you watch the hell's bells, the dangers of rock and roll. I mean, if you had shown me that, I would have done the same thing on it. Well, well, find me the, <laughs> I'm going to go there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and I think that, you know, I mean, in general, the, the, the sort of one of the, one of, I think the big and most tragic lies that, you know, the church world tries to sell people is that there's this world and we're going to divide it in two. And there's this sort of sacred part of the world where, we go to church and we say our prayers and, you know, we try to stay holy and, you know, we can't let people who don't believe the same things we believe take communion because then it like sullies the whole thing. And it's all about dividing the world up and compartmentalizing it so that we can stay clean so that the Christians can stay clean. And then, you know, we stay away from the dirty world out there, you know, mm-hmm. and part, part of, part of, you know, that's why that they would be so, like, oh, well, you know, this Bruce Springsteen song is satanic because it's talking about pedophilia because he says, hey, little girl, is your daddy home? So it's like, uh, it's just, it's just, it, it, so they take it to this absurd, you know, level of paranoia and they try to sort of paint this world into like, there's the good and then there's the bad. And we got to stay away from this sort of the, the worldly element out there. And, and I think that that's been really damaging on so many levels, um, especially when it comes to art and creativity. Um, that's, I think, primarily why so much Christian art, whether it's music or movies, is so awful 
because Christian radio um, is, I mean, I can almost yeah. call yeah. this. I can almost call the song. I was on a road trip. I went to Vegas and I, the radio was on. We're flipping through and it was, I could tell it was early in the dial and I just heard the song and you think it's a pop song and then you listen, you're like, oh, nope, that is a complete derivative of <laughs> something exactly. else on the radio. It's totally derivative. And there's no, it, like, you're totally right about that creativity part. I felt that it, it's sort of stunted and you must do it this way and, and this form. And it, it just seems like no one can sort of spread their wings. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And how sad is that? Because to me, music is so uplifting and spiritual in a lot of ways. It, it, it could be used to like show people love to, to let people learn about love and, and, you know, and uh, you know, just being good to the other person, you know, and instead it's used to sort of divide or not, not music, but it's, I guess music itself. I was going back to what Zach was talking about earlier about the church sort of dividing people and then leading to people leading divided divisive or leading to people having lives divided in half, you know what I mean? Where they have to be one way at church or with certain people and then like an inner life that's not, you know, healthy, if that makes sense. So there's an um, outward, there's an outward appearance and actually what happens behind the door, sort of the fifties style, nothing's wrong. (laughs) Exactly. And how sad is that? Because the whole point of, I mean, I feel of Christianity was to get, do away with that, you know? So, but anyway, um, yeah, I, I think I think it's sad because that that's very much reflected in Christian music, only in the sense that, and I, it's not to say that these bands and and musicians don't have perfectly great intentions, but it, it just serves to kind of, I mean, just the the lyrics themselves, um, you know, they have this sort of Christianese. Um, I don't know if you've heard that term, yes, probably I have. not, but okay, yeah. where they just have to um, use these terms that that speak to a certain group of people and don't at all challenge, um, it, don't at all challenge, and but also don't speak to anyone else. You know what I mean? Anybody listening to that would be like, "What are they?" T-? Or even if they're not like, "What are they talking about?" It would at least be annoying, you know. <laughs> so, oh uh, yeah, I was just gonna say that you know the the two primary uh ways you know the two primary things that that conservative christian culture thrives on is shame and fear and, and um if you you know but those are the two things that stunt creativity like out of the gate like if 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 you're f- afraid of taking risks or if you're you know afraid of putting yourself in a position you know to you know be an outlier than, than, than the create, the sort of creative culture of whatever group you're a part of is going to suffer. And I think that's, um, you know, that, that's part of, I think why it's like growing up as a kid going to church, you're, there's a sort of compromise you feel like you have to make. It's the, it's the, it's the dread you feel when they're like pressuring you to, invite friends to come to church and you're like thinking, I just don't want my friends to have to come do this. And, uh, and it's something that you're feeling, but you can't really say it out loud. So, um, I don't know that, 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 that's something that, that for sure is, was something that we tried to get away from. And, and, you know, over the course of time, we, we sort of learned to, to try to be Christians and, and find other Christians that sort of, agree and say, yeah, you know, the whole element of it is not cool. Like, let's not deal in that way anymore. And let's, let's go do some sort of other alternative way of, of church. Cool. And I think too, the, I want to definitely dive into your guys' record because it, obviously there's some themes in it that, that, that continue this sort of relationship with, with, with you both. And, um, when I had first heard um, the, the songs, um, I was actually in the high desert. Uh, so it was sort of interesting. Um, you guys were, you know, the name, but then also the sound. Um, and then where I was was very interesting. And I, I had silently, I silently prayed that I uh, was hoping that it was a stay on my side EP, like those sort of just um, drumming, droning, like very, very uh, long songs. And I, uh, I, I can hear some of that in there. Um, and I just think you guys working so well, um, you know, together as a family and then being away and then, you know, connecting, what was the, what was the most enjoyable thing about working together on this new project? 
you want to take that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, for me, it was just it was just fun to 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 like I don't know. It was just kind of we kind of followed our nose, and it wasn't you know a. a, a it, I think just for me personally, I've been in a creative mode uh, with three other guys that I've known for a really long time. And I haven't really done anything outside of that with any significance, you know? And so, um, so for me, it was, it was a combination of doing something different outside of that context. Um, and then, you know, like kind of, it was sort of a matter of like sort of looking around myself and thinking, okay, well, I, I'm not a very good singer. I know Holly is a great singer, so I'm going to have her sing. And it was just really simple. Uh, it was like just doing basic math. Like I'm not a good singer. I'm an okay singer, but like I know Holly's a really good singer. So if she sings on this, it's going to make it better. And and then just sort of seeing, um, having that instinct, and then actually having Holly sing on it, and just the sort of impact Holly's voice has on the songs is so much fun. Was so much fun to be a part of. Because it's like you don't really know what it's going to be until you try. And then when we tried, it was like, oh, this is something that we both really like and are proud of. And I think that's probably the most fun for me. I think it's a it's first of all, it's a great question because I I feel like one thing that I've always enjoyed about our relationship. And again, we fight as much as any other couple. Um, We definitely both have strong personalities. I, I mean, just to be totally honest about that. But we really enjoy hanging out with each other. Like we, I have plenty of friends that would rather hang out with friends than their husbands. And that's, there's nothing really wrong with that or anything, but I really, Zach is by far my best friend. And, and to, to be able to do something like this is, is really cool. And honestly, totally unexpected. I mean, I figured he was going to go in kind of create some music. And then, um, he just suddenly asked me to sing on stuff, you know, before that it was just like, Oh, cool. That sounds good. You know? And, um, I, you know, I guess just, it, it has sort of opened up a a new, um, I don't know, I get, I guess a new Avenue in our relationship that was never there before. We've never collaborated on anything, much less anything creative, you know, other than maybe an art project with the kids. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, he, it's just been really fun. And, and I, I love doing something like this with my husband. It's, it's fun, you know, so. I almost felt like it was, it was meant to happen. And not, not like, I mean, it's almost like 20 years, you've got this cycles, you know, album or record, tour, hang out, do another, like you just, you were in this cycle and then to be home and to kind of, it was a different thing, I assume. And then being around more, being able to help around the house. And then it's, you know, and then building, be like, well, you've got this relationship. And then it was sort of meant to, you know, connect musically. Um, that would be awesome. That would yeah. be nice if it was meant to be. That sounds like a good story. <laughs> I've t- Hopefully it was. I mean, if it didn't, if it didn't, if it wasn't that to the outside, it did seem like that just because of, um, you know, that you guys have had this long, you know, period of time together that it just makes sense. You would do something musically together. You're both fans of music. And then at, at some point it's going to get to that. <laughs> well, that's really cool. I hope, I hope it was meant to be. <laughs> it happened. So I guess so. <laughs> and I, I, I heard, um, also that you guys have a bunch more songs. Um, are you got, I mean, are there any plans to do stuff visually with them? That was an idea that I thought was, you know, these are, these are beautiful things to put to, uh, some visuals or video. Yeah. I mean, I think that would be cool. I mean, we have other songs. I think we're, you know, we're, we're working on more material now and, and we'll probably continue to work on material, um, pretty regularly up and through, uh, the fall. And I think, uh, I think Jimmy world is, I think supposed to, resi- you know, start back up in November. So I, I, you know, we'll, we'll continue to, to do stuff up to that point and then beyond. But yeah, I mean, I think, uh, th- it would be cool, I guess, to do something like that, like a visually, but I think from the, from the beginning, every decision we're making is sort of based on the demand, you know? So like, we're not necessarily, you know, uh, you know, like, so like we're not pressing any physical copies cause we were like, well, what if no one wants any physical copies? So it's like, 
<laughs> if people want physical copies, then maybe we'll do that. Or if people want T-shirts or people want us to play shows, then maybe we'll do that. But at this point, like we, you know, we really only have three songs out. So I think for us, like priority one would be just to sort of get together more material and and sort of build a catalog and and just kind of see what happens from there. And and the other thing too is like we don't have any kind of label, so it's like you know, I don't know, between like working on music, parenting kids, driving kids to school, making lunches, picking kids up. And like, it's like, I, I has, I sort of don't really know at, at that point, like where we'd fit the time to do video or tour or anything. If or anything the opportunity like came up though, I think I'm for sure is that, I mean, this is the the truth is there are a lot of songs and Zach probably doesn't want to say that but there are, he has he has gotten a lot of songs I mean he's the one that's really coming up with you know the music I I might sing on it and be in the background a little bit like saying hey try this without without any experience really but um he there's a ton of songs and I think um it's just like I think what Zach's getting is just that it's a you know like a passion project and definitely as far as demand, um, you know, doing any of the other things that you guys had mentioned, yeah, that, that would be based on demand. But as far as releasing music, that that's for sure something we want to do. Right. I mean, release as much music as we think is good, you know? Yeah. As long as we feel like it's good. I mean, that's yeah. the thing. It's, it's, there's a lot of material, but I think it's, it's a lot of that material is somewhere between, you know, bad and good. So we need well, to figure out. Isn't everything. <laughs> yeah, we need to figure out a way to, you know, but yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's a, it's just sort of a, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a new thing. So I think we're just trying to learn as much as possible. And I would be totally open to doing something visually. Um, it's just that, yeah, I mean, if that comes along, cool, we'd, we'd, we'd totally do it, but it's not something we're going to, it's not like I'm going to be, making calls to get a video shoot together or anything like that. I think you guys should do um, a talent show tour of where your kids go to school. I think that's, <laughs> I think that's the first start. I think you guys do that. See how it goes. See how the other parents like it and then go from there. Yeah. Okay. I'm sure the other parents are not going to like it at all. But. <laughs> I think it'd be awesome. Uh, be, that'd be a great video too. Their, their face, their, their faces watching. Right. Um, <laughs> um, I wanted to dive in and then I want to come back to Retro Desert at the end, but I wanted to obviously touch on Jimmy at World. There's some questions specifically. And then Holly, I want your take as, as, as well. I think it's amazing that you've sort of been there from the beginning um, and on the other side or on the other side of the phone. Um, and I think one thing is, you know, the, the early days, um, you know, Jim told a story where you drive to a, a, a town find a payphone, call the kid that was putting on the show and hope to God that, you know, people showed up. And now uh, there are more ways than ever to stay in touch um, while being away. Um, and for you guys in your relationship, what was the, how, how did that sort of, what, how did that ebb and flow um, as now, because we're so technically advanced, we're on Skype, I'm when you know, all these type of things. What was the, are there things that you noticed throughout the years staying in touch? Well, I, as far as like staying in touch, but I remember that Zach would call me, I think in the very beginning of our relationship, he would, he would call me as often as he possibly could, but it was also super expensive. I mean, he'd be calling me from payphones, you know, and, and I mean, expensive for a young kid, I should say. And then he, the way that we would keep in touch was by letters, which I love because I still have his letters. Really? And then, yeah, letters, he'd send me letters and postcards and then also Tom had a, a, a pager. <laughs> so if I needed to go to hold Zach, I would page Tom and then Tom, which is probably so annoying for Tom, I'm sure. I should probably thank him or apologize <laughs> to him for that. And then Zach would call me from the payphone. So or from someone's house, like if they were staying on someone's uh, floor or, you know, whatever, or camping or whatever else they did. <clears throat> so that's... um. That's how it used to be. And, and of course, it's, you know, it's all the way to FaceTime now. But it is sort of, you know, they'd be on the road for months at a time. And I remember just oh, just missing him so much. I was in college and 
and um, not being able to talk to him for days on end. And now we can, you know, get a hold of each other any minute, really, mm-hmm. for the most part, you know. So that's but, definitely evolved. But Go it's ahead. pretty wild to think about, like, how much things have changed since then. I mean, like, you know, yeah, it was 20 years ago, but it's like it's completely different now in, in yeah. terms of, you know, being able to, you know, be – be in contact and, and, you know, being able to FaceTime each other and then FaceTime the kids. And, you know, it's, it's pretty wild. Like I remember it was such a pain in the ass, you know, cause yeah, we, we, we didn't have cell phones when we were touring and it was, you know, even if you did have a cell phone, it was like ridiculous, ridiculously expensive to use it. So like you sort of didn't want to use it, but yeah, man. Yeah, I just yeah. I, it's it's such an interesting. I mean, I I sometimes consider the 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 late '90s was that sort of last time where, but yes, there was the internet. Yes, there were things, but it, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. You really had to work at it. And I think early on, if it's the pager or if it's the, you actually had to write a letter and put a stamp on it and then find a mailbox. Tell a millennial to do that. They're not doing it. <laughs> right. So you know, yeah. for the, it it really took a lot of effort. And I think the, those things sort of meant a lot back then and that was finding bands touring connections made were more face-to-face versus something that was very digital yeah for sure yeah you know it's interesting like i we were i we were just talking about it with some friends uh not too long ago that i sort of feel like we were we sort of hit the sweet spot where we grew up without the internet yeah but then we now that we have the internet we you know, we obviously can, we, we know sort of the before and after a little bit, um, you know, whereas like our kids don't know that at all. Like they've, they've, you know, it's, it's just so much a part of their life as little kids growing up and, you know, our daughter's 13 and our youngest is five. So like they all, you know, would be freaking out right now. Like that, that's, this is the best parenting tip that we can give your audience is, um, if you there have are kids, parents. there are definitely yeah, parents listening. Yeah. So when you have kids and the, the, the best punishment is just changing the Wi-Fi password. <laughs> and so um, like if they, you know, cause like our five-year-old is just wanting to watch like, you know, Superman. Yeah. Superman videos on, on, on YouTube or, and our 13 year old is just wanting to like, you know, like watch Netflix or whatever. And if you That's turn, tur- if you change the, if, if they're not like obeying what you're telling them to do, they're not doing their chores. <laughs> All you got to do is change the Wi-Fi password and then, you know, they don't – they they're screwed and then they're totally in the palm <laughs> of your hand, you know. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, I think too the the – you know, the changes as, as you guys as a band and obviously the name of the podcast, Washed Up Emo, it's sort of a, a, a joke, you know, sort of that we're a little bit older, but we're associated with this term. You know, the, that, that word is, is synonymous with Jimmy World, good or bad. Um, and what was your initial response when you heard that word? Um, and, uh, you know, did you have no idea or were you like, I thought, you know, when I talked to Jim, he said, I thought it was screamo bands, you know, the, the actual screamo, not the mid 2000s stuff. But, uh, what, what was sort of your, your thoughts when you had heard it? And then your thoughts of sort of it connected to you guys and, you know, any article that kind of comes out. Right. I think for me, like when, uh, you know, it's so long ago, but I, I think the mental image I had of like what emo was was just like bands playing at a show and like everyone's crying or the kids are crying or people are freaking out. And it's like nothing would make me more uncomfortable than to be at a show where I like, like, like that just seemed weird to me. Um, <laughs> uh, not, not that, that, you know, not that it's necessarily a bad thing, but it was just like, I didn't necessarily associate myself or what I was personally doing with that. But I just think over time, I think that, the definition sort of changed, you know, to, or, or or either changed or broadened to the point where, um, it didn't really seem to like, you know, it, it, it sort of said everything and nothing at the same time. It was like, you know, well, fallout boy is emo, but rights of spring is emo. Um, so like, where, where do you, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. there's just such a vast ocean of, 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 of space between those two that like, I, I don't know. It's like, so, so 
I think early on our, our approach to it as a band was, and I'm sure I'm sure Jim probably said something along these lines, is that you know we didn't really ever go out of our way to attach ourselves to the word or to sort of pr- promote ourselves as an emo band. Um, but you know when it, it got you know inevitably it was used whenever you know the the word was brought up if our band was brought up or whatever like we didn't freak out about it or let it really bother us so i think you know it is what it is and and we we didn't really spend a lot of time worrying about it or caring because it was like well people will just sort of think what they're gonna think the one time we got really kind of pissed off was um Oh, man, I forget the name of that dude, and I forget the name of his label, but he put out that thing called the Emo Diaries. Uh, uh, that was uh, Deep Elm Records? Yeah, exactly. So, which, which my band was on, which was kind of crazy. I don't know how, but we, that's... We, uh, oh, cool. Yeah, we were on this... You guys were on the first one. We were on seven, so a little, little derivative by then. <laughs> well, well, the thing was, we were on the first one. He never told us like what he was calling it. You really? Know? So, like, yeah, so we had no idea it was going to be called the Emo Diaries, until like I think we saw the CD, and you know, I was, was like, your payment thirty CDs? Because that's what ours was. We I got, don't know. We got, we got I, I thirty no CDs for free. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's fucking weird. Like that. Like and and immediately after that, when when that happened, I think we sort of. I think yeah, we sort of thought that guy was a dick, and then we sort of stayed away from him. But we we didn't really know him. Like we didn't. We had basically sent him a song to be on it, and John from Deep Elm, that John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so you know, from that point on, we didn't really have any interaction with him, or so I have no idea if we've ever gotten paid, or who who knows. But like, um, yeah, I think we just sort of thought that's that's such a bummer that he called it that and didn't think to maybe tell the band, at least us. Um, so hey, we're gonna call it this word that everybody hates. Yeah, and it. <laughs> Yeah, so it, it was it was a bummer, but and, and it sort of puts us in a position where we're like, yeah, we're gonna be on the emo diaries. Um, so it's like, you know, we didn't really know that that was the name. So I think that's one of, that's an instance where it sort of we felt a little misrepresented. Yeah. Do Do you feel that it's a you know a blessing or a curse? I mean, I I think for you guys, there are people that still show up wherever you play. People will show up and see you um, for who you guys are. Do you feel like? You know, it, that word itself was a blessing. Anyone? I don't know. I, you know, I, it's probably a wash. I mean, who knows? I, I, I don't think it's necessarily like, even if it was something that was bad or it's not a curse, you know, it's like, I, I, I think well, like kind of what you were saying is at the end of the day, you know, people are going to listen to your music and they're going to hopefully like it or not like it. And you can't really do anything about that. So it's not really worth worrying about. And mm-hmm. so, what if if a journalist wants wants to say we're an emo band, whatever. Like we don't care, Got you know. It. Like, but if but are we gonna call ourselves? Are we gonna go around and say, hey, we're an emo band? It's like, no, we're not gonna do that because it's like I think it's sort of, I don't know. It's just I, not. Yeah, you're like if someone else says it, music. fantastic. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we're a rock band. I know Jim always would say that. Before, you know, hey, we're a rock band from you know Phoenix, Arizona. <laughs> it's like. Right. Just, just a heads up. Uh, Which is basically saying, like, our music is loud sometimes. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and, 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 and obviously rock and roll is, is broad enough to where you can kind of say, well, it's not classical. It's not jazz. It's not metal. But it's just like rock and roll. And I think those kinds of very vague, broad categories work great because it's like it sort of tells you, yeah, there's probably like a drum set somewhere in the mix and there's probably a bass player and a keyboard player and guitars and it gets loud most of the time. Like, I think that's all you sort of really need to know. And then like the the point is to listen to it and then decide, okay, do I like it or not like it? Yeah. You know? And how important was bleed American and the middle to the band? Not necessarily. Yes. It was successful, sold a bunch of records. Uh, I, I was at a label at the time and the A&R guy handed me the the demo that you sent out to all the labels and he's like oh you like this band here you go um and i still have it and it's crazy to kind of listen to it and you know that no one you know no one uh you know picked up the phone um and then you guys did it on your own and it was sort of that great press story as well but 
I feel like, you know, if that didn't happen, um, what, what, you know, what would have happened? But I think it, do you guys, do you guys sense that that was a important time or was it, you guys would have been keep going regardless of what, what happened from that album and how, how successful it got? I mean, I, I think that, you know, had that album not had that success it had, you know, it, it's probably a fairly realistic, you know, a conclusion to come to that we, we may not be together now, you know, like, I didn't I think, want to say that, but that's what I thought too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, just, to, I mean, just from, from my perspective, you know, when, when I think back at with the, all the bands that we toured with and all the, all the awesome bands that we played with growing up, you know, like looking at a band like No Knife or Promise Ring, um, or, you know, I mean, there's just tons of them, but it's like, you know, a lot of those guys, it's like you get to the point where you, you start to enter your, you know, your mid twenties and you start getting married, you start having kids and it's like, you know, it's just the band doesn't pay the bills. And at some point you got to provide for your family and it doesn't mean the band has to quit, you know, but it just has to operate on a sort of different scale, you know? And I think, um, you know, uh, so like we, we certainly wouldn't be operating at the level we are now had that record sort of just come out and sold another whatever 15,000 copies or whatever clarity ended up doing. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that that gave us an opportunity to have a career in a way that we wouldn't have had it had we not had that record. So, I mean, I think in a lot of ways it, it, it was massively important for us just as people, individuals, you know, um, and the kind of lives we were able to live and provide for our families um, and, but I'd like musically, creatively, or, you know, it, I think I sort of view it that way. I, I sort of view it the same as any other record. Yeah. And I think, I think there's people that'll, you know, I'll go to the shows and we're all crotchety and old and, and they're, you know, um, you know, obviously the, the last song is, you know, the middle or, you know, sweetness and some people will get frustrated. And I, I turned to them, I was like, did you know that that song's the reason you're still seeing them? <laughs> <laughs> so, so you should probably, um, stay. Uh, and it's just that, that, uh, it's, it's funny the, the reaction from, um, certain people, um, around popular, but then don't you want them to still be around? Don't you want them to come back? <laughs> you yeah. buying the, you buying the one seven inch does nothing. <laughs> <You mean? laughs> well, yeah. And it's also like, why the fuck do you care? what order we play our songs in like you know what i mean it's it's sort of it's it's to me that's just like i want to find something to bitch about so you know i don't know that i can be this sort of above it all and i'm too cool to enjoy this moment and it's like that's just fucking bullshit you know and like you know at the end of the day i think the 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 you know the only reason for me like to not play the middle you know, trust me, we've tried it a million different ways. You know, like we, we, the, the only reason to not play the middle or sweetness at the end is just for variety's sake. It's just for maybe like, Hey, you know, maybe do something unexpected. Um, but you know what? Like it just doesn't work. You know, it's kind of like, um, it's saying, Hey, let's put the ending of the movie at the beginning and see <laughs> if it works. And it's like, you know what? Like this, there's certain conventions that kind of work and it's like, you know, you can toy with it a little bit and, 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 you know, it's not, not, not to say that you have to do it by the book all the time, but trust us, like we've been at every show and we know, <laughs> we know the benefit of putting the song here or putting the song there. And I think that, you know, um, like whatever, I mean, it, it uh, yeah, I think it's, so, I, I, my thing is when the, you know, those crotchety guys are walking back, there are. Uh, 2,000 other people screaming every single word and, you know, paid the ticket to the money or paid the shirt, got, you know, got the ticket to the show. So, yeah, no, I, I think That's it's, uh, I yeah, yeah, very, very, there's, there, there are 2,000 people in front of them freaking the sh fuck out. <laughs> totally. And, and also, I mean, just as a fan and having been to a lot of their shows, um, and certainly I don't ever pay any mind, any attention to like, you know, whether they play this song or that song, I, I, you know, it, it is what it is. Like I, I like hearing all of their songs, but, um, I really do think that that way of thinking is so juvenile and 
if there's like a 40 year old thinking that way, it's just, it's just sad to me. Like, why are you really worried about something like that? You know? <laughs> yeah. And you know, again, it's, it's, it's not the end of the world to think that way, it, but there's always going to be naysayers, you know? Yeah. So, and, but I think that the, it, it goes back to that record and that song is the reason you guys are still around. And I think that's the reason we have, we, we have damage. We have invented, um, this, the stand my side EP futures, like all those, you know, it, it, where you wouldn't, you know, maybe those things would have been something different. So, um, I had a few more questions related to this and then I want to, um, wrap up. I know you guys have, you're a busy, you're a family, you have things to do. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, who is the, who is the person in band practice that raises their hand for slow songs? Because I want to slip them a 20. Um, is there a, who's the one that's always like, can we do a slow song? Cause I think those, those are some of my favorite songs of the catalog. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. Um, I mean, the stay and, on my side EP was brilliant. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I think that the, one of, I think for me personally, and I, I think maybe the other guys would agree with me here, but like, I think one of the only regrets that I have over the course of Jimmy World's career is sort of being a little bit too uh, like cautious about slowing things down too much. You know, like uh, it's it's like so one of the one of the best songs we ever did was a song called "Be Sensible," and we didn't put it on the album because it felt like oh, there's just too many slow songs on the album, and we really loved uh, you know the the songs that were on there like dizzy and got to be somebody's blues and we felt like those were songs that we wanted to put on the record and you know i think that it's just sort of like you you get a little worried about having things being too you slow down and you know people point out to us like well you know all of your big hits are songs that are sort of like upbeat and energetic and rock you know sort of like upbeat rock songs Mm -hmm. and you know and that while that's true, I think the songs that have really sort of connected with our audience the most, like uh, our songs like Hear You Me and 23 and Polaris and like, um, you know, songs like that. And, um, you know, it's just sometimes uh, you sometimes it's hard to see what's at the end of your nose, you know, and you, you sort of it's uh, so I think in, in that sense, um you know, we were like when we play live, I think we like those songs. We like playing those songs live. It was one of the things like the Futures tour sort of showed us a lot too. Is like that song that you know that second half of Futures is it's slow. Is, you know, it's slow, and you know there's a sort of anxiety you get uh, as a performer because you're like, well, okay, we really got to bring it on those songs because it's like it's not like we're going to be able to fool them with our tempo and big loud noises, you know, and so. I think it ultimately made us better. Um, and then, and then also doing the sort of stand my side songs, um, even sort of further reinforce that, you know? So I, I totally agree with you. I just think it's, it's hard sometimes because it's like you, when you're playing a show, you want to, you want to sort of, you sort of try to please as many people as possible. And, we do kind of have like a little bit of a schizophrenic fan base where it's like, there's the people who love like the newer stuff and, you know, and, and more of the rock songs. And then you have people who sort of really connect to the slower songs and maybe sort of the older material. So it's, it's hard to sort of, you know, connect those dots sometimes. But. I think you should do a, a small tour, like a small venue tour of just the slow stuff. That would be crazy. I don't know how that would happen, but um. we 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 did something very similar to that um, right before I want to say before Invented came out. Um, we did a run of shows where, or it could have been before Taste of Light, actually. I I don't remember, but it, we did a run of shows where it was really a lot of mellow songs, acoustic stuff. I remember your K, one of the K Rock shows you guys did. I think it was '08. You played like three songs off the Stay on My Side EP. Um, and I was like blown away. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was like, this, this is, and I could tell you guys, you were doing what you wanted to do. And um, maybe it was around that, that same time frame. Um, but I remember that being good. I think, too, the one funny thing that I will, I will, 
I, you can make fun of me for, but um, a long time ago when you guys were doing the Clarity Tour, um, I did start a petition for you to play the full 16 minutes of Goodbye Sky Harbor. Um, oh, interesting. I don't know if you remember that at all, but there yeah. was like a, um, it was something I thought was really funny just because people, there is that six minute version that you guys have, but then there's, you know, obviously you're not going to do 16, but um, I was very happy that it was it, it extended. I know a lot of people kind of said the same thing. They kind of appreciated you guys trying to do something that, again, think of anxiety, how long that last part goes and how you guys did it was really, really well done. Yeah, that uh, yeah, it's not necessarily the whole thing, but it's sort of more representative of it. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah, so it's yeah. I feel like I feel like that was that was um, fun to do, and it would be fun to do that again at some point. I think we started. I don't think on the last tour. I don't think we played that song very much at all. I think we did. If we did, we did the shorter version. Yeah. But um. But yeah, uh, yeah. That 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 was like one of the tracks on that song I played the drums um I there's two different drum parts on that song and I played the drums uh they had they slowed down the tape the speed of the tape oh um, wow so I actually played it for double the time oh. <laughs> so wow. like so so that like what they do is they slow down the speed of the tape and you play it you play the song and then when they play it like normal, like the kit sounds smaller and, and more sort of like techno-y, you know? Interesting. And so they would just hit record and they would all leave. And I was like, I think in there for a half hour um, playing the song. And, uh, you know, then they would come back and check in every few minutes. Like, hey, everything cool. Okay, we're leaving again. And so I was like, <laughs> I would be in the, I was in recording and I'd look in the control and it was like literally no one in there. And, uh, you know, they're probably having a drink or shooting the shit in the lounge. And then, yeah, that wasn't, that was, and I only, thank God I only had to do that one time because that would have been a drag to do a second take of that. (laughs) Oh, that's great. And another random one is, uh, I love the song open bar reception. Yeah. I I actually play that at the DJ night that I've been doing the last four years or so in in New York city. And it always gets someone being like, wait a minute, who is this? Um, and it always gets a really good response. Oh, cool. Yeah. I, I think that was, uh, uh, I think it's a really cool tune too. The thing I remember about that song is I recorded that in our old house. Um, Ah. I recorded the drums of that in our old house with like, I think I had like a kick drum mic and like an SM 57 just overhead, like two mics. And that's what it was. And that's why the hi-hat is so freaking loud on that song. It's like, <laughs> there's like two mics on the, on the kit. But yeah, um, that's it. I feel like that's a cool song too. I think that would be cool to like maybe retrack that or play it live or something. What what record was that off again? That was the – what Chase's Light, right? Maybe, yeah. I can't remember anymore. It's got to be – yeah, it has to be Chase's Light, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think too for, for you guys um, – you know, being in being in Arizona, um, I know that Zach. I've seen from uh, you know T-ball and all these kinds of things. What is the number one sports in the house? What is the one that everybody's into? I think I think for Holly and I, it's football, right? We both love football. I, I grew up. My dad used to take me to, to football games when I was little, and he played like football in high school. He got a scholarship to play football in college oh, at wow. ASU here. And he didn't actually take it, but so he was a football player, though, nonetheless. I mean, obviously. And then he just really, um, I guess, introduced me to it. And I, I've i sort of waxed and waned in terms of interest, but Zach's, you know, loves sports and, you know, baseball, obviously, because his dad played um, professional baseball and also coached and, you know, huge baseball family. But But I think football is something we both enjoy a ton. And we're in a fantasy league with other, like another uh, band member, wives, and like, um, and then some of their their tour, their their roadies too, and wives. <laughs> oh, that's so it's cool. super fun. Yeah, football season is super fun yeah. in our house. So the uh, and the which which Arizona team will win a championship first? Ooh, um, <laughs> that's a tough one. Uh, I think right now uh, it, the cl- team that's closest, like pro- professional team, yeah, probably the the, the Phoenix Mercury because they are awesome. <laughs> I was not expecting that. 
I well, I mean, it's it's probably. I mean, technically, the professional team that is most likely to win a title would be them, because yep. they actually win titles and they're really good. <laughs> um, but in terms of like major sports, I would think the Cardinals would would probably they're the strongest team right now. Um, the D backs are not. I mean, D backs are not super strong yet this year. I mean, they're okay, but Suns are sort of in the middle again. So, yeah, Suns are like in the sort of no man's land of the NBA. Um, yeah, and it's just the the Coyotes, the whole organization is kind of a mess because like there's just financially, I think, I don't know, it's just such a weird situation. And then, um, yeah, I mean, uh, I think that's it. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right about the Phoenix Mercury. And then I, I didn't realize that, that your dad had, uh, was he played and coached in the... Yeah, he... he, he uh, he played in the minor leagues uh, for uh, he was kind of a minor league journeyman guy, and then he played for a season for the Brewers. Oh, cool! Um, yeah, and then he played in Japan for a year, and then he retired, and then he started coaching. Um, actually, he played well. He played his college baseball was at ASU mm-hmm. um, in Te- in Tempe here, and then he co- went back to coach and just was like a volunteer coach, and then. From there, became uh, got hired by the Angels and kind of just bounced around different organizations and ended up being a third base coach for the Pirates for a, a few seasons, and then um, became a scout and he's done it all. Wow! How yeah. what was that? Was were you able to go to games a lot and sort of tag oh, yeah. along? Yeah, like every summer when school got out, we'd either fly or drive to wherever he was stationed. So he was like a minor league manager. Um, so we'd go, like we spent two summers in Vermont. We spent a summer in Nashville. Wait a minute. What years? I'm from Vermont. Oh what, yeah. Ni- what? 1980, the mid eighties in Vermont. The Vermont, back when Bernie Sanders was the mayor. Oh hell yeah, Bernie. Now was this the Reds or was this yeah, the Yeah, Vermont Reds. I went to so many of those games. So we probably went to the same game. I, I, I Barry I Larkin, there. Barry Larkin played for them. I was there. I was Barry Larkin played for my dad. Barry Larkin's first game, pro game, was was when my dad was managing them, and so they had a bunch of good players like Barry Larkin and Chris Sabo, Paulo O'Neill. And that was Double A. Uh, that was Double A. Yeah. Oh, uh, so, that was uh, it. You know, there's there's no pro teams. I didn't grow up with any pro teams. The that was the biggest thing in the summer growing oh up. My God. That was it. You yeah. went to that shitty stadium that's a hundred years old, Centennial Stadium, or and then that's that's that is crazy that you were probably there. Yeah, and I, I did all the kinds of weird odd jobs. Like I would be the kid that went to go get the foul balls that went over the the grandstand. I made popcorn there um, for the concession stand. Like I did all kinds of stupid stuff. But uh, yeah, like it's funny. We played a show in uh, Burlington. Uh, maybe a few years ago, maybe not last cycle, but the cycle before. So, where did you probably, play? Uh, I don't know. I don't know the name of the place. Was it small but, uh, or big? Uh, it was like, I mean, it wasn't. Oh, super I small. know what it is. It was. It was higher ground. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. So we went and played there, and and then I I I I found they had. Luckily, we had a runner, so I was like, okay, dude, I just need you to take me to the stadium. No and so way. he so he drove me back to the stadium and I walked around it and it's like still a total dump and it's a total uh, dump yeah they haven't done anything to it but like <laughs> I I remember yeah so many memories there it was cool to go see it I took a bunch of pictures from my dad and I sent it to him wow I love that that you were probably at the game the same time I was I was eating a hot dog and I probably bought popcorn that's crazy yeah you <laughs> probably did probably have some popcorn that I made. <laughs> Yeah, well, we really appreciate you uh, having us on uh, yeah, the podcast, and and um, and we'll we'll definitely be in touch. Great, and sorry to keep you guys for so long. And oh no, it's no, all no. good. I'm I'm sh- I'm fucking shocked that our kids haven't beaten down our door yet. So. <laughs> I'm sure Maybe, we're gonna go out there. And you, it's gonna be like Baghdad in the in the. You know why? Because the... they figured out the Wi-Fi password. That's why. Yeah, yeah. Well. <laughs>
Hello, Washed Up Emo fans. Thank you for listening to this podcast over the last nine plus years. Or if it's your first time, welcome. It has flown by, and I appreciate each and every one of you for listening. And for this current episode you're about to hear, I do have a favor of you. I have some books out right now called Anthology of Emo, and Volume 2 was released last fall. I really think you'll dig it if you haven't heard of them. It features guests from the podcast, including Jim Atkins from Jimmy World, Chris Conley from Saves the Day, Travis Shettle from Piebald, and John Bunch from Sensefield. I've also reprinted Volume 1 so you can order both. Check out the DIY publishing at anthologyofemo.com.